Amen, amen, test, test, praise God. Thank you, platform musicians, amen. Amen, praise God. We also thank thankful for our first-time visitors, amen. Uh, God have you in the right place, I believe, this morning. Now, before we get started, uh, as our Brother Jamar mentioned, uh, there was a uh, marriage retreat down there in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And uh, uh, I, myself, my wife, Terri, and well, uh, some, a few other couples went down there. I must say that that, that uh, seminar, I've been to plenty of them. Um, they're always a truly a blessing to marriages, uh, but this one really stood out. Uh, 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 Pastor Peter Jala really had the mind of God in regards uh, to marriages. And so we asked uh, Ricky and uh, Rebecca to come up and give a testimony. Uh, let's give them a hand as they make their way. Rebecca. Um, I had the privilege of going to the marriage seminar um, with my husband and um, one of the things I felt like really um, stood out to me that he said is he talked about like one of the things we should be doing in marriage is um, like in comp being in competition of who loves each other more and loving each other meaning dying to self you know putting yourself last in your marriage um, because a lot of times we go into marriage and we're selfish and um, something he said that actually pastor said recently um, in his marriage uh, sermon was that you know we have habits um, when we're single that we think are just going to change automatically when we get married but it doesn't come natural and that we don't use the world and things of the world to build our marriage because God, God was the one who created marriage we use the word of God to build our marriage and so that really stood out to me just like dying to self even in marriage um, and another thing was like um, you know there's rain every marriage is going to have rain and um, ups and downs but just knowing that at the end of the rain the rainbow comes you know the sun shines through and um, um, one more thing that he said um, um, was just pressing the reset button. Sometimes you have to just press the reset button multiple times a day. Sometimes, you know, every morning or whatever, but just um, knowing that it's okay to press the reset button, you know, to um, have just a heart of forgiveness for your spouse. Um, and uh, just, yeah, just living for God, just filtering our marriage through God's word. And um, that really, really stood out to me. So, Amen. Uh, so my name is Ricky. Uh, just wanted to, to say as well, it was, a, it was a blessing. It was a privilege to be able to go. Um, you know, it's, it's always good to invest into your marriage. Um, this, 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 the seminars, like Pastor was saying, man, were really, really good. Uh, we, you know, me and my wife have been married for 14 years, and we've been through a lot, ups and downs. Many of y'all know our testimony. Uh, and one of the things I was sharing with uh, Rob and Titi was, like, all the stuff that he was saying was very good informational that it took us years to to learn and if you would have been there uh you would have got all the stuff that it took us 14 years to learn in one weekend you know it's very it was very informational very uh, uh, he, uh one thing i liked what he said was it's spiritual and uh you know um that's that's one thing that i realized you know marriage is a spiritual thing you know we try to we try to you know uh uh uh, do it in the natural, or whatever, which is good. It's just, it's just a, you know, it's a, a, a manifestation of the spiritual, you know, in the natural. But it's something that God created, 
And when he started, like, you know, uh, identifying certain things that we go through in marriage and stuff, you know, it just it just gave us revelation, understanding of, of why things happen, you know, what we have to do to prevent certain things. Um, you know, because one of the messages that he did was uh, speaking about the black box. And if you know what, uh, what that is, it's just like an aircraft. Uh, they use the black box to... Uh, uh, to 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 read what happened to uh, in, in in during a plane crash, and many times by that, you know when they're reading this black box, it's already too late. The plane already crashed, and, and he was giving examples and stuff like that about that. And uh, so what we have to do as as uh, a, a couple, you know, marriages, we have to be able to uh, correct that. You know, uh, sometimes there's turbulence, sometimes there's things going on, but we got to be able to uh, uh, fix the problem before the crash. You know, so, uh, but it was really good. You know, it's just always a blessing to be able to invest in my marriage. You know, um, you know, my marriage is blessed. Like I've, I've said before, you know, it's, it continues to get better and better. And stuff like this is really helps, you know, marriages. So uh, I really encourage, you know, uh, if you didn't make it this, le- uh, this time, uh, you know, uh, put it in your calendar for next year because it really helps. It's just the spiritual dynamic that, you know, every marriage needs. Uh, and it's just good to, you know, go away. And just spend time with your wife, you know, uh, you know, be around other uh, believers, you know, just a, a, a really good time. So, amen. Amen. What a powerful time it was. Amen. And I thank the pastor for the opportunity to be able to preach the gospel this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to the book of Matthew. Chapter 4, 1 through 4. How's everyone feeling, church? Super Bowl Sunday? Rihanna's performing at halftime, they say. Yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. So guess what? You get to, uh, uh, Pastor Brooks has the privilege to preach tonight so you can throw your apples at him. I set them up. I said, yeah, man. I said, they're going to throw their pecans at you. They ain't going to mess up my suit tonight. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. How I many know uh, as a Christian that every Sunday is our Super Bowl? Come on, somebody. Amen. That we celebrate the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And so, again, it's a privilege to be able to minister to you uh, this evening. Again, Matthew 4, 1 through 4 this uh, morning. This morning, Perhaps you heard this illustration in regards to Satan and how he distracts people. Says Satan called a worldwide convention in his opening address to his evil demons. He said, we can't keep Christians from going to church, but we can keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't keep them from their uh, from conservative values, but we can do something else. We can keep them from uh, forming an intimate and abiding experience in Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. He said, so let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles, but still their time so that they uh, can't gain the experience in Jesus Christ. Here's how I want you to do this, he told his demons. Distract them from uh, gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. But how shall we do this, shouted the demons. He said, keep them busy in non-essentials of life and invent numerous schemes to occupy their minds and time, he answered. Convince their wives to go to work and their husbands to work six, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day so they can afford their lifestyle but have no time for each other. 
keep them from spending time with their children as their families fragment. Soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. He says overstimulate their minds with the sounds of the world so that they cannot hear the still, small, quiet voice of God speak to them. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day and invade their driving moments with billboards. You know, although this is an um, illustration um, of how Satan and these demons work, how do you know this is a true reality? That if the devil, listen to me very clear this morning, if the enemy can keep you and I and our minds so focused, so uh, uh, fulfilled on the things of the world, then how many know uh, that this begins to be true? Because this is exactly what is happening in the spiritual realm. How many know that one of Satan's main purposes is to fill our lives with so many things and things that would occupy our time and devotion to God that we have no time for God or the things of God. And I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled Satan's Bakery this morning. And when you begin to think about bread and various different things, how I many know bread uh, is a sense of fulfillment? And in our text, we begin to uh, see uh, Satan do just this. And I just want to encourage you to, this morning that, listen, the enemy is always uh, seeking to who has the appetite or the bread that he is trying to provide. And I want to, again, I uh, want to preach uh, out of Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Because, again, if Satan knows if, uh, if he can fill our lives with other things, then there would be no room for God. Verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness uh, to be attempted uh, by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, uh, he was uh, afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. Watch this. Jesus answers this profound uh, response. But he answered and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let us pray, church. Heavenly Father, I ask God that you will help us this morning, God. God, let us be aware of the enemy's schemes and tactics, God, to fulfill the, our lives, God, with distractions, uh, things that are not of you, God, uh, things, God, that may not necessarily be evil, but, God, that, that, but will keep us off balance. God, I ask, God, uh, let us be filled with your joy, God, your love, God, the things of God. Uh, I ask, God, right now you'll move powerfully upon your, your church. Uh, and all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. How I many know again that bread in itself is a life-sustaining food source? How many of you agree with that? We know that from a physical point, uh, people could survive uh, if they, uh, on bread and water alone for quite some time uh, if they had nothing else. Uh, just having water and just having bread, uh, we know uh, that from a physical standpoint, uh, bread in itself uh, brings a type of fulfillment. Psalm 78, 24, 25 says, He rained, talking about God, down manna upon them to eat and gave them uh, food from uh, heaven. Notice uh, that, uh, you know, when the Israelites were wandering, uh, you know, he didn't give them their favorite jello. He didn't give them, you know, their favorite meat or whatnot. Uh, but the Bible said it was bread uh, that he provided for the people because bread uh, brings uh, a sense of fulfillment. 
So there's bread from a physical standpoint. Then there's the bread that Jesus speaks of in our text. But he answers, he said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, this is being the bread of life. Jesus is speaking about the bread, amen, uh, that sustains the soul. How many know what I'm talking about? The Bible has many accounts of bread being a miraculous provision as well as a fulfillment in a person's, in a person's life. Uh, Jesus spoke over and over in the New Testament that I am the bread of life. Uh, he even mentions uh, of eating my body. He's making the point that in me, uh, I provide true fulfillment. I am the bread. I am the bread of life uh, that satisfy this morning. This bread being the bread of life, again, it's the sustaining of soul. John 6, 35 says, And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We know the, the story of the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. All these various different things, they're having this conversation back and forth. And she finally realized uh, the point where, where Jesus is getting at. Uh, and there was a fulfillment there. But then there's the bread of death, what I call it. And that's Satan's bread. And that's what I want to really uh, uh, hunker down on this morning. See, this bread that the enemy offers, this bread of death so to speak, uh, was a temptation uh, to use God's gifts uh, for selfish purposes. How many of us what we see in the scripture? Satan suggests that Jesus used uh, his miraculous power to, to provide food for himself. See, Satan's bread pretends to bring a sense of fulfillment, but how many know in reality it doesn't? In reality, it doesn't this morning. I want to look at Satan's bread this morning. Because verse 4, the Bible says, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. See, this bread that I'm speaking of this morning is demonstrated by Satan on the basis of three principles that we gather from the text. One, it speaks to what he tries to offer us. Two, what he tries to alternate. And three, what he tries to steal. See, if you have been living for a little bit of uh, time on this place called earth, how many know it's obvious to see who the baker of this world is? Who's the one that's serving this uh, bread, so to speak, that want to bring uh, uh, some type of sense of fulfillment in our lives? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. In the case of uh, the God of this world, lowercase g, it says there, uh, talking about Satan, this world has blinded the minds uh, of the unbelievers uh, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, uh, who is the image of God. In other words, this scripture saying uh, this God of the world, uh, Satan, uh, is feeding people bread uh, that they don't see the glory of God. Ephesians 2, 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this, wor this world, uh, according to the prince of the air. Bible responds uh, to Satan as the prince of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of dis disobedience. Can I tell you, everyone who's not saved, uh, that is walking deliberately in uh, the, the, uh, disobedience, uh, is filled with Satan's bread this morning. It's filled with all types of fulfillment. 
See, Satan is always willing to offer you his bread. In our text, again, the devil appears as if he can offer Jesus something that's of need. The Bible says that Jesus is led away in the wilderness. The Bible says he's fasting at this point, uh, 40 days, 40 nights. Uh, how many know this is a time, uh, you know, uh, where, you know, uh, Jesus is very vulnerable? How many ever fast before? And in that fast, you know, it seems like, especially if you're doing a three-day fast, I don't know about you, uh, you know, sometimes that first day, you know, you know, get, you know, I'm okay and different stuff, you know, but toward that first day going into that second, man, there's problems. Man, every stuff that I wouldn't even eat. Like, everybody know that Pastor Howard don't like dark meat. But even dark meat looks good during a fast. I'm like, man, I take a dark meat right now. I take a thigh. But it's right here at this point of vulnerability, uh, just like Jesus, uh, that this is where the devil wanted to come in and offer you the bread. Are you with me, church? It's right here. So let's talk about what this bread looks like. See, the devil attempts to bring a sense of fulfillment in a person's life. A false sense of security uh, in what uh, he presumes to provide. Bread is somewhat looked at, again, as a type of fulfillment. Begin to think about various different things. And, and, uh, and, you, know, and you know, how Satan would love to begin to Try to uh, try to get us uh, to eat this bread. See, the world has gotten so filled on Satan's bread that they have, you know, that they don't, they don't understand uh, the idea of what it means to even be fulfilled by God's joy. Because everything else has been, uh, you know, uh, in other words, uh, the fulfillment of this world, uh, you know, because they're so used to and haven't surrendered their heart to God. Uh, the Satan's bread has a sense of uh, an acquired taste. That they're familiar to and that they like. See, this bread of this world is prepared by no other than Satan himself. How many know he's always looking for opportunities to slide uh, uh, something deceptive in a person's life? See, for many, this bread uh, of Satan uh, is unbelief. You know, it's amazing how many people today that don't even believe in God. You know, it was one thing 50 years ago when people were living in their sin and being rebellious, etc., but they still believed in God. It still was a sense of some type of reverence, you know, uh, that God exists, etc., but now you, you can talk to, uh, you know, one out of five people, and, and a lot of times you're running this one time, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in God. I had one person tell me that I ain't even heard of Jesus. I'm like, wow, like, where you been, bro? Like, I understand you don't want to live right, but you, you didn't hear him? You never heard of him? Nah. Straight face. But again, unbelief is part of Satan's dish. Unbelief. 1 John 5, 19 says, we know that we are the children of God and the whole world is under the control or the sway of the evil one. Sometimes it's the bread of self-seeking and self-indulgement. I mean, we live in a self-seeking environment, church, that people are thinking about themselves. Uh, you know, how do I benefit? Uh, how can I obtain this? Uh, again, uh, that's on Satan's dish. For some people, excuses is part of Satan's bread. I mean, though, Satan loves feeding uh, people this bread. I call it free bread. The devil doesn't even have to buy this bread. You got an excuse already. 
bread of ego and pride. People are so caught up on who they can become uh, in this life uh, as opposed to making it and have eternal life. This is the bread that people are being fed. Many folks have missed out on God's best because they have filled themselves with the cares of this world. And see, this is the problem of many people that they, that they fill themselves up with this bread that Satan gives before feasting on the everlasting bread of Jesus Christ. They become so filled from the bread of this world uh, that there's no room, room to even taste, uh, you know, uh, uh, what it really means to live for God, to know the joy of what true fulfillment is, which we'll talk about later. They've come to grips that with life that they're, all living, but they're really, like they're living it up, but they're really not. How many know many folks that don't have God that think they're living it up? How many know that's fool's gold this morning? But they're content. See, this false sense of fulfillment that the enemy is feeding people to believe that they don't need Jesus. I was talking to a guy on the airplane. Guy's dripped in Catholicism, and I'm talking to him about uh, uh, the need for Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm coming back uh, from Arizona and I'm talking to him, witnessing to him. It's just me and him. Uh, nobody in the middle seat. Just me and him. I said, this is going to be good. Man, that thing turned into a two hour and a half ride of just how good he is. And I can't, nothing I can say can break through. He was like, man, you know, Jesus didn't make me the good person I am. I did it. And he's going on and, you know, and the steward's like, everything okay? Like, everything okay? Like, Calm down. It's okay. Yeah, man, don't take away my righteousness, man. He's saying these words. I'm like, whoa, I'm blown away. But again, if the enemy can even give you that fulfillment of self-righteousness, he'll have you chew on it. See, Satan's bread is very deceptive. Sometimes because uh, his bread that he offers isn't necessary sin, but it's designed to be a distraction. See, the Apostle Paul writes this down in 1 Corinthians 6, 23, when he says everything is permissible or everything is allowable, excuse me, but everything is not beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. In other words, uh, what he's saying is uh, something might not necessarily be a sin in itself, uh, but for you it's not beneficial. For you, they can lead to sin. And so sometimes the enemy will provide uh, this bread, this, this sense of fulfillment, uh, and you're looking at it from that view of, well, it's not sin. But God's the conviction of the Holy Ghost told you a long time ago that that's not good for you. That's not good for you. See, sadly, it's not just folks in the world that have been deceived by this type of bread. I mean, no Christians have also uh, have been, uh, you know, a, a, a known client uh, of this bread. See, we as Christians, uh, you know, we, 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 we can miss the real meal. How many of uh, you know, uh, you begin to think about God's church, unfortunately, has been presented with some of these deceptive bread as well. If only I had what they had, I'd be better off. If only I had those opportunities, if I had that money, that resources, those, that power, if I actually had this or that. And see, in saying this, what we're saying is I desire fulfillment from somewhere else other than God. See, the enemy has a way of trying to make you and I feel that we're missing something. And see, this is why many of God's people revert back to old habits and old ways of living. 
Because the enemy has lied to them as they, they're missing something in their life. He's trying to provide some type of fulfillment uh, that, you know, uh, you know, you ever thought, had yourself like, man, you know, back in the day, man, I'd be able to get by with this. Yeah, but you was a con artist when you did it. You ain't getting by. You weren't righteous. You, you just you was a professional con artist. You knew how to wiggle your way. See, the Bible has plenty of examples uh, of this. How many know it was that type of bread of greed and money that caused Judas to betray Jesus? It was that same type of bread that tempted Gehazi to be undisciplined and chase after Naaman. See, if we're not careful, we can be filled by this bread that the world, that Satan offers. This bread this morning can consist of a lack of time involving ourselves in the kingdom of God. It See, many times, I know that, again, the devil knew that he was hungry. In our text, at the moment, uh, again, the, uh, the enemy knew that, uh, 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 that Jesus had an appetite, that he was hungry, that he was fasting. How many like Texas Roadhouse? Like that? Y'all know what I'm about to say? That, that bread, awesome, man. That cinnamon, that cinnamon butter, that thing ain't no joke right there. And many times I have to tell my kids to slow because they ordering their meals and, you know, they bring that bread out and that butter and, you know, you know, little tray can go. <laughs> you know, I can go to the bathroom, the whole basket on my side is gone. You know, you know, you got that bread, the he's just chewing. I'm like, bro, slow down. I'm like, look, man, when, 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 we know when the real meal comes, you ain't even going to have no appetite. That's true spiritually. That if the enemy can fill you up, you and I up with his sense of bread this morning, um, his sense of fulfillment, uh, then you and I won't have no appetite for the real meal, which is Jesus Christ. The real meal. And that's what the enemy wants to do. If he can fulfill you with these various different things, uh, then he'll steal your appetite for the things of God. Won't, won't be enough room. See, how many know the devil watches what you and I have an appetite for? He's aware of what we're looking at. He's aware of, uh, you know, these, these things that we, that we have our eyes set upon. And see, the devil can satisfy your appetite. Then how many know he can expose your vulnerability? Satan looks uh, for the vulnerabilities in our life to attack. But see, in our text, Jesus kept his appetite. Verse 4, uh, but he answered, it is written uh, that man shall not uh, live by bread alone, but by every word of God, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, how many know Jesus' appetite was every word that comes from the word of God? That's what uh, he relied on to bring him strength. And listen, this has to be our mindset. That Jesus kept his appetite uh, for the things of God and he refused to eat Satan's bread. Secondly, I'm going to look at turning stones into bread. See, a stone this morning uh, re uh, resembles something that's firm or that's unbreakable, something that's solid. But through the Bible, we begin to think about a stone. Uh, we see a significance of various different stones in the Bible and the role that it plays in a person's life. We see this throughout the, the word of God. You know, Joshua reminded the people of their history uh, when they crossed the Red Sea uh, in regards to when he set those stones there uh, in remembrance of the Israelites. Like you should show these uh, to, to your children. In Matthew 16, 18, uh, uh, Jesus called Peter the rock uh, that he's going to build uh, uh, his church on. See, every, even today, 
How many know uh, stones have significance when you begin to think about diamonds and rubies and emeralds and pearls and various different things? Uh, in other words, there's value there. And can I tell you, church, that it would, be, it would make Satan uh, uh, so, so happy uh, that we would exchange uh, these valuable stones in exchange for his fulfillment. If he can get you to uh, exchange uh, and trade the things that are important in life for, for his sense of fulfillment, uh, you bet your bottom dollar he's going to try you. See, again, stones represent values of significance. Satan desires to change everything that is of value and worth to us for his false sense of fulfillment. In our text, Satan was trying to get Jesus to exchange what is valuable. See, we must remember that Satan can never give us anything uh, that's any type of goodness. It's all deceit. Uh, there would have been a price to pay uh, had Jesus would have listened to the enemy, which we're going to address in a minute. But I want to look at the, the stones that Satan attempted to change concerning Jesus. How many know uh, the whole idea with him uh, tempting Jesus, uh, you know, uh, uh, to turn those uh, uh, stones into bread that he wanted uh, Jesus to violate his father's trust. He wanted him to violate uh, his father's trust. The fact that if he would have gave in uh, to his appetite of being hungry during the fast, uh, what, what that meant is that he would have no longer been relying on God for provision, but on Satan. Sounds a lot like what the enemy is still doing today. If, God, if the enemy can infiltrate and break our trust with God in exchange for something, then how many know he does it all the time? So many, some, some scholars suggest that Satan was tempting Jesus to exercise supernatural power rather than depend on God's provision. See, this action would have interfered with God's provision and plan for that moment. And see, we must not forget that Jesus, again, he was fasting and were ultimately led into the wilderness by the enemy. And he was being tested by the Father. Listen, the provision was that God was going to provide food at a necessary time. And see, considering the fact that Jesus was hungry, the devil wanted to tempt Jesus to eat something. And again, this would have interrupted God's provision of him providing. Listen, don't let Satan lie to you that he's any kind of provider for you. Because if he can get you to bend, to compromise, uh, to, to soak into his lies, oh, listen, he's going to, every jab, he's going to try to take advantage of it. God's provision of supplying our needs. See, it's right here. If you ain't careful, many people trade their stones into bread. See, this would have been a breaking of God's trust. This is exactly what the enemy wanted to do uh, in the text. How about the stone of faith turning uh, bread, uh, you know, turning this, you know, this bread, uh, into the bread into doubt. See, Satan is always in the business of trying to alternate our faith and for us to lean on doubt. In other words, if he can get you and I uh, to think uh, that this, uh, this word is inherent uh, or in error, or that God's promises are on his promises. He's going to do it, church. Anything to exchange, he's going to take advantage of it. See, there are some stones that the enemy would love to change into bread if you're willing to let him this morning. 
the things, again, that are precious and valuable in your life and my life. See, if we're not careful, the devil will begin to, to have a, to turn your stones into your bread, uh, into bread, the things like your marriage. Just talked about coming from a marriage seminar. But see, listen, uh, that stone is your marriage. But people every day are trading in their marriage uh, for some type of bread. Some type of fulfillment, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, adultery, whether it's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, how they treat their spouse, whatever the case may be, uh, whether it's whatever satisfaction it is, uh, the enemy is always offering that bread. What about destiny? I've seen it done so many times where people are trading in destiny. Calling for careers, etc. They're trading the vision that was from God only to dream about who they, who they can and what they can attain in this world. How I many of this is exactly what the enemy tries to do, church? Ministry. The idea of being a servant, a privilege to be in a ministry to serve in the kingdom of God, but because uh, the enemies has come alone uh, and presented some other type of fulfillment, maybe it's another hobby. Uh, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with various different things, uh, but how many know we got to put things in perspective? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added. That's Matthew 6.33. That has to be the motto. Maybe it's your zeal and passion. For the things of God, perhaps it's your perception on how you see God. Has the enemy changed your perspective on God? Is he no longer a provider because of the current circumstance and situation you're in now? It is here where Satan offers you that bread. Look, God ain't providing. What happened to this, you know, while you're in this situation? Never look at your circumstance and attach God's name to that. In the sense of, you know, uh, th this is why or whatever the case may be. Many times your circumstance can be a test. Can be something that's building in your character. But it's right here. Now always like until you're Satan, you know, turning our stones into bread. It's kind of like a, like a pawn shop. Maybe I shared this illustration before. You know, a lot of times when you put something into a pawn shop, how many know you got a certain amount of days uh, to get something back? How many been there? And you know what happened. If you're leaving it long enough, it becomes somebody else's. And you know, a lot of times I feel like there's a lot of Christians where, you know, you walk into that pawn shop and you still see your marriage on the wall. You see ministry on the wall. You see your destiny. All these different things, uh, you know, uh, that the enemy has stolen because he, he took taken these, these stones and gave you this false sense of fulfillment. See, the trading of the stone. How many know, listen, the things that we have in Christ Jesus is of no equal comparison when you begin to think about the church. I remember being a little boy, and uh, how many, if you're like me, you know, you was in the uh, uh, Basketball and football cards used to trade cards with your friends. Oh, yeah, me, I'm old, man. Dang. But back in the day, that was the thing, man, you know. You, you have your cards. I had a whole portfolio. I got my basketball cards, football cards, and it was always that crazy friend that wanted to trade you his John Stocks card for Michael Jordan. I'm like, bro, did you see Michael Jordan just dropped 55 on him, bro? And I'm supposed to give you an MJ card. For John Starks. 
I'm supposed to give you my Magic Johnson card from Mitch Richmond. And the whole thing behind that, although you know in basketball, you know the difference of the, the one, me and Jay and the other one that saw it like that, right? But the whole point of that, I'm like, listen, this is not of equal value. This MJ card is a stone. It's valuable. But see, that's how the enemy will come at you. Let me, let me give me your, give me your, give me this, give me that, and, and he, here you go. Here, here's your John Starks. Lastly, I'm gonna look at true fulfillment. How do you know true fulfillment comes from the better bread of life, and that's Jesus Christ? You know, I was sharing with Brother George some thoughts on this sermon this morning. He had mentioned the phrase that folks say to a person that uh, eats a lot but never gain weight, which is you eat like a person that has a hole in their stomach. How many of you heard that? And the idea is that, you know, you eat so much, man, it's like, you know, it ain't, go- it ain't going nowhere because you're, you're still slim, uh, you're still skinny, uh, you know, and, and the point I begin to think about that. See, for the Christian... That understands that true satisfaction comes from Christ. For the believer that understands that true fulfillment uh, comes from the bread of life of Jesus Christ. How many know to the Christian, uh, you will never have a hole in your stomach. Because you'll always be fulfilled. You'll always be fulfilled. You know, you'll begin to see the, the weight gain spiritually. Come on, somebody. You begin to see uh, the muscles building. You begin to see, uh, you know, uh, you know how you're able to to resist, uh, uh, resist temptation even more because you're getting stronger. Because there ain't no holes in the stomach, and all this fulfillment is being contained. So again, your fulfillment comes from being in Christ Jesus. Verse four, but he answered, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." See, Jesus is saying right here, church, that you just can't uh, live by bread alone. In other words, uh, whatever that bread was representing in your life uh, that you think you need to live, uh, that can consist of your job, uh, food, shelter, whatever that comfort is this morning. Jesus says you're going to need more than that. Why? Because it is God that brings that true satisfaction and fulfillment. Can you say amen, church? See, you can eat uh, and be completely full, but I guarantee you'll be hungry again. Right? I, I ate a lot yesterday and I'm hungry right now. <laughs> and I'm going to eat tonight right after service. Because you know how we get. We, 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 man, you ever ate so much, you're like, I ain't going to never eat again. And you lied. But for the moment, you, I mean, you like stuffed. It's almost painful. Right? Don't act like I'm the only person that's fat now. Man, we were just at the marriage seminar down in Jacksonville. We went to that place that cook it in your face. I'm like, cook it up, bro. Give me some extra rice. And I'm eating. I'm halfway. I'm like, I'm telling my little wife, I said, man, this is food. I'm full. I'm like, I ain't going to eat again. Ate an olive the next day. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, when Jesus fills you up, when God fills you up, you're full. There is no uh, outside appetite. He says, you will never thirst again. I'm never hungry. He's making the point that I am complete fulfillment. See, there's other things in life that bring some sense of fulfillment, but there's nothing like God that brings complete fulfillment. Do you hear me, church? Complete satisfaction. I guarantee satisfaction to never hunger and thirst again. 
See, church, Jesus is the bread that brings complete satisfaction. I like what Jesus tells the multitude when he fed the 5,000. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered that in John 6, 26, that verily, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had been filled. Jesus said, you aren't looking for me because of what, uh, you know, I can do in your life. Um, uh, you're looking for me because your flesh has been filled. And this is the mindset that we have to look about this fulfillment uh, that the enemy tried to offer us. It's not complete. It seems to satisfy for a moment, church, but it's deceptive. See, I close in this. Jesus is the bread of true fulfillment. Can you say amen? See, how I many know when you truly taste the goodness of Jesus Christ, even in your life that's changed, uh, someone that's filled and satisfied in the things of God, how I many know you don't look back at the old life? You don't have a desire to go back to your Egypt, if you will. You don't have a desire. Yes, temptation come, things happen, <clears throat> but because uh, you are truly fulfilled in the things of God, you're content, can you say amen? See, again, if we're truly filled with true fulfillment of God, then we won't have an appetite for anything else, church. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, and pleasures are forevermore. Listen, church, I encourage you to let God be your fulfillment in life. Allow Jesus to be that bread that brings true fulfillment. Because again, as we said, there's a baker of this world, and that's Satan, the prince of the air. He's in so many deceptive ways. He's trying. He wants to get us to be fulfilled with his bread. But we stay true to what true fulfillment is and be content in the things of God. It is here where we'll be filled in all the things of Christ. Can you say amen? Can every head bow and every eye close in respect to your neighbor this morning?